0: and welcome to the show Michael and the Bear Yeah I'm JJ Woo! I'm Michael <laughs> and we're here to, to talk about we're here to talk about all the things that we talk about every week which is all the coins and all the stuff and I I get tired all of all saying the, the word cryptocurrency and I get tired of saying it. I guess it's a really cool word cryptocurrency don't stop
1: saying it say blockchain Rocket from say bitcoin I don't like say internet I don't. money say magic stuff say unicorn fire. I, whatever Whatever you want to say. It's okay. Coins there are from no the crypto. rules. There are no rules in the crypto sphere.
0: Well, okay. Here we are. We're ta- going to we're gonna talk about a phenomenon. We're gonna talk about what is the, the financial revolution. That's what that's what it is. It's the coming yes. financial revolution. That
1: and that and why it's and why it uh came to be. Because yeah. last week we kind of started talking about the banks and JJ was like, Oh, this is too big, we can't talk about it now. So it's like, Okay, we're gonna talk about it next week then. We're going to dedicate the whole episode to it. So if you don't want to learn anything useful or important this week, then turn off now. Give us a thumbs down. But if you want to learn something good, if you want to, I mean, you may even know this too, but we're going to philosophize a little bit about banks and uh, and why we think Bitcoin started and why we don't necessarily like banks.
0: Yeah, and we're also going to try to keep it kind of... We're going to try and no, We're going to try to keep it easy going. I mean, well, I, I think there are people tuning on into the show who don't know very much about cryptocurrency or yeah. they don't own any cryptocurrency. So we, we want to make sure that things are understood and we're not just talking gibberish.
1: Exactly. And yeah. last week we said we were going to try to be uh, more plain spoken. <laughs> and right afterwards, JJ was like, yeah, you can't say that because nobody knows what that means. It's like, damn it. I thought I was doing so well, <laughs> and then and then my and then my lawyer friend was like, "Yeah, I didn't I didn't get like half of what you were talking about." I was like, "Damn it! I Come know.
0: on!" <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard to to talk about. It's really hard to talk about cryptocurrency without sounding like you're either talking about like like something in, incredibly intelligent or something incredibly stupid. I feel like it's one of those two things.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like it's like when my friends start talking about. Marvel Universe, uh, and because I haven't caught, I haven't been <laughs> catching up for the last twenty years. Or like, and then I go <laughs> see a movie with them, and they're like, "Oh my God, you know, so and so timeline." I'm like, "What are you guys talking about? Just talking yeah. about Wolverine, how about and and you got you, Storm? You, you, like, you, I don't know, what, I don't know that." You know, I, so well, I, how about how I we could talk about like uh, <laughs> in-
0: indie rock bands, you know, you want to go see this obscure no. uh, uh, this band, <laughs> I used to really like them like when the first seven inch came out, but uh, I feel like there's a lot of cryptos <laughs> are kind of like that,
1: man, well, remember you did like, that you did that when I was <laughs> trying to get you to talk about the the theme the opening theme song, and you're like, oh, yeah, so it's on like vinyl? I'm just... blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know what you just said, dude. I yeah, literally I know. don't know what you just said. I was s-
0: speaking in relative crypto terms. So we so, are two
1: geeks that don't know how to talk to human beings outside of our spheres. So
0: just yeah, so Dungeons & Dragons it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, All right, so, on to the banks.
1: Yes, yes. So we talked about, uh, last week we talked about Joked around about how banks are evil and we don't like the banks and blah blah blah. And so we thought we would uh, discuss it a little bit more um, this week about what led up to uh, Occupy Wall Street, what led up to Bitcoin, what led up to just the uh, the idea of some kind of shift away from the Federal Reserve and big banks.
0: Now keep in mind, we're not economists. We're not. We don't have PhDs in banks or finance or anything (laughs) like that so (laughs) did you
1: literally just say a phd in banks
0: (laughs) whatever finance that doesn't let people know you
1: don't have a phd (laughs) nothing will
0: (laughs) i was trying to put it in simple plain terms yeah so no we don't really know what we're talking about when we talk about this stuff we we, we, we have
1: bones okay so i can't fix we have
0: (laughs) what do we have we have we have um we have practical experience that's what we have
1: and also and also we're two intelligent guys who are able to put two and two together. So yeah, super yeah. smart. That's, that's that's a good start, right?
0: <laughs> so okay, starting starting that that the other problem with the story is I never know where to begin begin it because I feel like I feel like the gold standard, like removing the gold standard from the U.S. dollar, is in the '70s. Was like that was kind of the beginning of it, but probably that was like ten that was
1: like ten moves down. It started ten in, moves down. Ten yeah. moves down.
0: Yeah, I, that, that's. But like, I feel like that's a, usually a good place to start. No, the, the best uh, place.
1: Oh, sorry, I, there is no best place to start. Um, I'm not going to argue with you about that. But I think a good place to start is 1933 with the Glass-Steagall Act.
0: Yeah, perfect. And that's that a was good place. Right
1: to start. after the Great Depression, um, what what happened was almost 5,000 banks failed because everyone went to go get their money out and there was no money in the banks um, so they all failed and then everyone went broke and it, it was a complete disaster so they passed something called the Glass-Steagall Act which said banks can't take your money and then put and then invest quote unquote in Wall Street which Wall Street technically is gambling like crypto is gambling you it's you can be a smart gambler and 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 do your research on whether whether the company has good fundamentals but it's technically it's still gambling like facebook I think it depends facebook on facebook losing it really depends on how you
0: no cuz yeah, facebook
1: I, lost 119 million dollar $1 or billion dollars worth of net value a couple of days ago and so that's like you're gambling that it's not yeah. going to do that or that you're going to get your money out in time so You're speculating for sure. Defi-
0: I think that I th- think there's a fine line between gam. I think a lot of people think well, gambling doesn't involve that risk to reward or whatever. It def- depends on your definition. Okay. But so, so oh yeah, okay. I definitely. So let's
1: say speculation. So Glass Steagall said you you can't speculate on the stock market with uh, people's money. So like if, if with with uh, their 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 bank deposits. So what they said is you can invest in infrastructure projects locally, you can invest in stuff that like has fun, like actual returns, small business, blah, blah, but stuff that's super speculative and you know, really volatile. You're not allowed to do that. And it created a space, a time period of very, very stable banks. But then we got rid of the gold standard. And all of a sudden the federal reserve was able to just kind of print money out of nowhere out of just thin air and then in 1999 in bill clinton's last year the republicans were in control of congress and between them greenspan and bill clinton they decided to repeal glass steagall and let the big banks regulate themselves which uh, a really great article on Vox came out um, yesterday, today, that sh- that shows why big co- corporations can't self-regulate. Public, public corporations that, can't self-regulate. That
0: really seems idiotic to me, and just the idea of self-regulation. I mean, you know, this weekend we had that news coming out about how, you know, Coinbase did their investigation into themselves, and they decided yeah, that there was that no was wrongdoing. The, the, like, who who came up with this idea of self-regulation and thought that would be? Because uh, our, our our country is, but no, I mean, even our country is based on you know checks and balances. Like, you don't self-regulate; yeah. you have you have a regulation system. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it works. Um, the whole premise of our country, so the
1: whole the pro- whole premise of st- the stability of the country, is not self-regulating. Is yeah, we have three. Four branches, yeah. technically, with with the you can the media, yeah. You, everyone's watching. You really each other. can't.
0: You can't self-regulate if you have human beings that are interested in, in making, in making that money. Yeah, but also, I mean, so if there is self self-interest, you can't have regulation. So, f- self- so regulation.
1: Facebook and Twitter are a perfect example. They both both lost like twenty percent or more in the last week because Wall Street because when they said they were going to start trying to self-regulate the Russians coming in the bots the this the that the fake news they weren't going to make as much revenue and Wall Street punished the hell out of them so that's why you can't that's why a public company can't self-regulate because Wall Street punishes them when they do they say if you're not going to take every single step you can to make as much money as possible for your investors then we're not going to push your stock and We're going to tank your stock. So when who, when Facebook said so, they were going to try to be more responsible, Wall Street punished them for that.
0: Well, I, I don't understand. So who, who is Wall Street? Is just a bunch of people who own stock uh, at the stock exchange, and they got together and all said, "Hey, we're going to short Facebook because they they are not playing along." Is that what I I don't understand this really? This is one of the reasons that I don't invest in the stock market because I don't. I don't get it. Is it just a big circle jerk over there?
1: Sure. So you have, uh, what's the, I'm blanking on the word for it, but you have these big companies who, like hedge fund companies, uh, places like Merrill Lynch and Fidelity, and they go on these quarterly earning calls. And a lot of these companies, and then they have, and then you have companies who their sole purpose is to say, this is a buy, this is a sell, this is a hold or whatever. and you have so you have companies okay. like that, and all these kind of companies. It's 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 like almost like a FOMO thing. So all of a sudden, every single company was like, or like the you know the first few was like, oh, this is they're not going to make any money. They're not going to hit their quarterly goals. They're not going to hit. They're not going to hit anything. We're going to sell, and then people start seeing that bloodlust in people's eyes, and they start saying sell. And all of a sudden, everyone's selling, and then you lose twenty percent of your market share in an hour uh, or two, it's, and it's crazy. It's,
0: it's. It seems weird to me. It seems weird that that system would work like that. You get a bunch of big players all fomoing together, and yeah, I just feel like there's got to be some. There's got to be one of those companies out there say, I'm going to do the opposite." Yeah, but all because <laughs> you know?
1: these guys were trying to be responsible. That's yeah. what sucker. I guess said. there's. A, he there's, said, "We're going to be responsible. A, Don't expect more money to be coming in this next quarter either, because this is." time consuming and costly. And we're going to, we're not going to make, we're not going to make as much money this year. And people were like, okay, we're selling.
0: I, uh, so that sounds pretty crazy to me. Um, I know that sounds like it's just one, one perspective. I don't know if it is. It it definitely sounds, it definitely sounds like something I could believe because I feel like, I feel like a lot of those big banks and a lot of those Wall Street institutions, those hedge, f- hedge funds, whatever they are, the mega hedge funds, where they're basically just basically giant trading organizations. Yeah. They just they buy they buy and sell paper um, paper stocks or paper assets or whatever whatever that would be. And so and then if it's in their interest to have certain people cert- lead the country, uh, whether it's politicians or businessmen, then they've got to keep those people there. So they've got to keep their positions in Wall Street so yeah they got to do all the same thing they have to be on the same page in order for them to keep their jobs and to keep all their money and all that stuff so yeah all right yeah that's that's a bunch of evil dudes up there
1: And it's not necessarily that that they're evil I mean I understand like the sense of like if you're if your job is to evaluate companies and your job is to make your share like so if you're a hedge fund person and people have given you a billion dollars to invest and you say okay Facebook is not going to hit any of their numbers this year. So the chance of their stock going mm, yeah. up is m- minuscule. So why would I I'm going to sell all my Facebook shares and go into something else right now until they get their shit together.
0: Right. So
1: it's not like yeah, I mean okay. I'm not saying anybody's evil necessarily. None of none of this stuff is illegal either. And so that's that's like so that was a thing by like Glass steagall was one of those kind of tipping points where all of a sudden we said okay so you know Bank of America you're holding all your all these Americans money hard-earned money and then you're gambling it on house you know uh, like housing or, you know the, the, the housing market and all that because you think it's safe and then when that collapses everyone's money's gone and so the Fed yeah. so technically it's FDIC insured but all that means is that the Federal Reserve just starts up their printing presses and then hands the Americans back their money. So the money that Bank of America lost didn't get burned up. It went to somebody else. So it's not like the, the money disappeared. It just got lost in someone else's pocket. And then they printed the money. There's a logical exp-
0: explanation to it, yes. So, there's a logical explanation to it. and And unfortunately, it came out of greed to begin with. I think that's where I jumped to the evil conclusion. Is no, that, no, but man, so, it is. People just
1: so when they print that money, it devalues our currency. So I think everybody, everybody, at every step of the way, thinks they're doing something rational. But then, when you compound those things all together, then all of a sudden, it just it comes across as really evil and destructive, and boneheaded. Like, why would you do this to your own country?
0: Yeah. Well, what was the what was the rational? What was the rationale behind decoupling fiat from the gold standard? Was it just oh we don't need gold, or it was it? I don't really know. Don't know. Um, other than the manipulation of gold, kind of got out of control after that.
1: Because uh, that was right when uh, the gold ETF came out, right, and gold skyrocketed.
0: I don't know. So um, okay, so that was so we've got was one this. We, we've got we've got this problem. Yeah, so where and th- go ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just—I was going to say like this is this is like um, this is what led to this is what this is leading up to you know where we are today and and all of these things combined together. You mentioned uh, the um, self regulation be- becoming like that sort of is just doesn't work it becomes a disaster. Then we had the then we had the housing crisis two thousand eight or two thousand seven, yeah. and that was kind of a last straw. And it was it was it was unique when it happened because of the place where we were in technology, um, because because you know the internet existed at that point and everyone was using it, so. There was a different, there was, a, that was the first time in my life when I actually saw real organized protesting and people who were, who, you know, the, 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 um, de-invest, what is it called? The, uh, Divesting. divest, divest, divest movements. Yeah. Um, these were like the first really organized, uh, movements to do this. And I think probably because communication was so much better. Yeah. Um, and of course, out of that, we get we get the first we get the we get bitcoin which was an alternative to that at least that's what it was created for it was uh you know the peer-to-peer cash yeah and um and yeah so so okay so so banks like the reason that i don't like banks is because this is a personal thing i don't like giving my money to somebody else blindly and Assuming it's gonna be okay. That's just that's just me when I was a teenager and and when I first got my when I got my first bank account um, It was a friend of mine. His mother said yeah, you should get a bank account You should get a checking account and you should get it at Wells Fargo Uh, That's the best place for your for your for your checking account. That's the best place for your for your money It'll be safe there as you grew up You'll put more money in there and it'll grow and grow and then then you'll be able to retire eventually that's the way it was kind of presented to me and and of course the first the first negative experiences i had with a bank were all the little charges and fees. Yeah, Those are things that most people don't like about their bank. Like, they don't really, pe- most people don't think about their money being safe or unsafe in a bank. They think, oh my God, I'm being nickel and dime every second. Every time, every time I run out of money in my account, I get charged $30. Yeah. Like, what the hell is wrong with that? Like, why would a giant a giant financial institution that has all the money in the world compared to how much I have want to charge me when I run out of it yeah. because it's inconvenience for them no it doesn't make sense so so that caused me to start thinking well you know if they're doing this one thing that doesn't make sense uh, they could be doing other things that don't make sense too and of course once you open that door oh it just all falls apart and, and I, I mean, get it from their standpoint I, is if you can't have people running out of money because then you run out of because money. You're as, the as one a paying. I mean, that's just for that. them.
1: Yeah. E- either either you pay yeah. it or it, they, it doesn't get paid. And and
0: well, that I think that the thing that really that really that I get really pissed off about is just this this dishonesty or this this lack of transparency that that these institutions have, whether they're banks or big corporations. Like the 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 number one. The, the the number one thing a bank does is it keeps your money safe. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to keep your money safe. Yeah. Like secondary to that is to invest and grow your money, yeah. or to grow their money. That's second, and and, and that's why we have fractional reserve or uh, fractional banking system. Um, that allows the money to be more safe because it all is isn't all in one place, and it allows the money to be to be invested so that it can grow. But it actually and it it's makes grown it, by. It.
1: It can make it less safe when you have a run on the bank, like you did in the Great Depression. So fractional reserve, yes. fractional reserve is when a bank, if you give a hundred thousand dollars into the bank, they only have to keep ten thousand dollars of it. The other ninety thousand, they can invest, they can put in the stock market, they can do whatever they want with that other ninety thousand dollars. So they only have to keep ten percent in the bank, and th- and there are stipulations here and there on bank size and this and that. But for just This is what fractional reserve is. And so what happened with the great depression is that they all these banks over 5,000, almost 5,000 banks only had 10% of the cash in their banks. And so when the recession happened, people started to run to the bank to get their money out. The banks didn't have any money because they only had 10% of, and people were asking for a hundred percent of their money back and the bank only had 10% of it. And so all these banks failed. And that's why the FDIC insured, you know, thing became a thing. So people could feel safe that if something happened to the bank, as long as the bank was FDIC insured, the Fed would print out new money and give you your money back. So that's what fractional reserve is.
0: So if you're listening to this and you think you know oh, i've heard all this this is i mean everybody already knows this we already know what fractional reserve is we already you know of course not, all of my money is not sitting at the bank okay like we might know this now but i know that i didn't understand this when i was a kid when i was a teenager when i was in my early yeah. 20s I at least wasn't thinking about it and and i think that most people at our generation or my generation like we weren't really thinking like that because we were were fucking lied to i mean we were if not lied to we were definitely kept in the dark about a lot of things and the way i mean the way i'm thinking about it right now is kids are growing up now and they're more exposed to not just what we're talking about right now but all of this information because it's so easy to just look it up on a computer it's so easy to find this stuff that i think a lot of young people a lot of incoming generations are not going to be okay with just being in the dark and saying, Oh, okay. Well, this is what I, this is what I'm supposed to believe. This is what I'm supposed to learn in school. This is supposed I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do with my money. Uh, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I think, and it gives me, it gets me excited to think that maybe those days are behind us. And especially when it comes to, to the banks, when, when people are growing up and they already know the way banks work, And there's already a distrust because they've seen the the banks fail once or twice in their lifetimes or they've at least seen banks fail in other countries. So they know that it can happen when they've seen that before. And they're asking the questions and there is all the information readily accessible. I don't think that it's going to be the same culture, the same world in the dark. So so three
1: things. Most people don't ask questions. And you know that's like, and we we talked about oh, this yeah. like in one of the first episodes. Is people, you know, they got three kids and they got a full time job and they got this and they got that. And they don't have time to deal with this bullshit, because at the end of the day, in their mind, they're just like, I want my money to be safe. It's FDIC insured. So the second thing is, before the gold standard got taken away, so back bef- when we had the gold standard, your dollar was actually worth a certain weight of gold. Redeemable. Redeemable for gold. When they got rid of that, so when you had your money in the bank, it was actually growing because it was pegged to gold, and so gold was dollar. So hold on, so gold was increasing in value, so your dollar was increasing in value. It had worth. It had it had weight to it, and that's why the U.S. dollar was worth so much around the world. So you get rid of that, and all of a sudden the dollar isn't tied to anything, and so. They're creating interest on it, which is more or less based on nothing. And then it just kind of gets diluted more the more they print out more dollars and more dollars. And so now when you invest, when you put your money in the bank. So whereas before in the gold standard, it was it was okay to put your money in the bank and you'd get a decent return, you know, you know, one percent, two percent interest or whatever like that. And now it's just it's so bad that to take your money in in. Invest it in a bank account in a sense like put it in a bank account. You're not going to make any return on that That's what we're saying now now that we don't have the gold standard. You got to put it in the stock market You got to put it in gold. You got to put it in something that is actually going to grow because if it's not growing You're actually losing money because of inflation. So as inflation goes up the dollar becomes worth less and your and your savings becomes worth less less and less and less over time and that's not what you want your savings to do. You want your savings to be worth more over time. That's the whole point of saving. And so this is the this is the danger oh, of yeah. these these things that have that have taken place over the last 50 years. Corporations, banks, all these it, I've, and maybe it is evil. Maybe it is some people up in a in a golden tower, you know, in a golden room like Trump saying, you know, if we push this button and this button, we can keep people poor. But people for so long believed my money is gaining value in a, in a savings account it's it's worth more i have more money now see mm. but actual but your buying power is worth less and so you're actually poorer than you were when you had less money
0: yeah you know i mean like <laughs> I, I i just started i just i in my head i just thought I had one of those moments where I thought, well, what the hell, why are we, what what, the, what is paper money for anyway to begin with? And I was like, I know this has happened several times where I've gone like, what the hell is fiat? Like, why are we using it? And, you know, paper money, dollar, promissory note, it's it's literally a contract that says that I have, I have this much gold and I'm good for yeah. it. Yeah. But, I mean, y- the, there's there's so much that we kind of take for granted. And even the idea of having a paper currency or a fiat currency is kind of a weird thing. I mean, it's a, it's an agreement. It's an agreement that we've made. I mean, back in like, uh, you know, in, in ancient Rome, uh, Julius Caesar would throw out coins with his history on them to peasants, and they'd be shiny, and they'd be copper and people would like to collect them because they represented their leader but you know the rich people actually didn't have any money they didn't collect these coins or anything like this they used they used they everything was based on their on their status and their and their quote-unquote credit and and like you know 2,000 years go by and we still have this money with pictures of our leaders on it that's supposed to represent something that doesn't even exist and then people say that Bitcoin doesn't represent anything. Yeah. This is just it's it's crazy to me that uh, the, uh money is crazy to me. Money is just crazy to yeah. me. So Bitcoin well, actually I can say. represents
1: <laughs> energy. Like the, the the cost of energy. That's why people say like Bitcoin can't get below a certain point or else people just stop mining it because Bitcoin costs hmm. a certain amount to actually mine, so that it has value in that sense because somebody's yeah. chosen to give it value. They said, "I'm going to pay five thousand dollars in energy costs to produce one," because right now it's worth six thousand dollars.
0: I guess it could be could represent that, but it's since it's not redeemable for that, it's kind of got the fiat problem. Like you know, you can't be you can't trade it back into energy. Um, well, you
1: can change it. You can. Right now, you have to convert it to fiat to pay for energy,
0: <laughs> and then buy more energy. Yeah, but I mean, once, once, yeah, I, once you, yeah, I guess, I guess that's an argument. Yeah, sure. Um, it re- it represents power in that way. So, Occupy yeah. Wall Street was kind of a tipping
1: point when when the government said, "Okay, all you banks, you made bad bets, and we're going to cover your bad bets, but all you people who made bad decisions on spending too much in your houses, fuck you." You're all fucked. That's
0: it. Yeah, that's it. And so all the banks, all, all the rich, all, know all the rich who, banks
1: got bailed out and all the poor people who, you know, they, you know, sure, they made a bad decision. They got caught up in the FOMO, they got caught up in the hype of of bigger and better houses and 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 the banks were giving it to them. The banks in the past before yeah. George W. Bush who really pushed everyone needs to own a home, Banks would say look, dude, you cannot afford this house. We're not going to give you a loan. I'm sorry You can afford this smaller house and we'll help you figure out a way to make sure every month you get paid for it and banks were actually your neighbor and People who were out to help you and to, and to help you be responsible and to help you grow your money and like it was a community thing because they didn't want their community to to uh become depressed not not depressed in an emotional state but just a depressed economy in their community it's like they felt a the responsibility to make sure the community stayed strong financially and that was how they did it they'd say you know that car is is beyond your means right now you know a Cadillac is not something you can afford to buy but this Honda Accord is something you can afford to buy right. and so you know they took responsibility but George W Bush passed this thing about yeah. like we want everyone to have a house and they pushed the banks to give everyone a mortgage no matter what and that created like a cycle of just hysteria of yeah, people buying houses domino effect
0: So then they get and, screwed you know in
1: after the great recession
0: Yeah and you know and that 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 was following a recession too because the dot com bubble was was pretty catastrophic when it hit and in that case it was I, I mean, I think it was a lot of margin trading uh, brokers that uh, that were basically people getting getting people on the hook with penny stocks essentially yeah. um, these these uh, you know websites that didn't have anything behind them and all that. So all right, so now we've talked about the problem with the banks. We know that you know this is another thing I just don't really understand is how governments, try the the too big to fail concept, the the um how the government's the government is gonna work with the banks to kinda to rehab the country, to rehab the economy and build it back up when we kinda know we're gonna have the same problem again. Um and and it's just a matter of time. And it probably won't be exactly the same. It might be exactly the same. But but it'll probably it'll probably involve uh, you know car loans or it might involve student debt or it might involve like yeah I mean most people I, I, I feel like student debt is like a really kind of a big bubble because yeah in our country in the US It's like yeah, you go to college. That's what you do after high school You go to college you take out a massive fifty thousand dollar loan to go to college even though you can't afford it And if it's a hundred thousand dollars, don't worry about it Just borrow it from the government and and borrow it from uh, You know borrow it from you know Freddie Mac or whatever and uh, and that's expected of you. I mean, it was expected of me. So, so that's the exact same thing. That's the exact same thing as as banks giving out loans for houses. And here's
1: the thing about student loans: so I, is that you can't wipe them away with bankruptcy. So if you if you start up a business, and you and you take and, a, and you take a risk, and someone's and the bank says, you want know what? This this business, we, we like the idea. We're going to take a risk on you. And the business fails, through no fault of your own, just because some businesses fail, and the bank says, "All right, you know, we tried, and you declare bankruptcy, and you wipe the, the slate clean, and you got to sit on it for a few years, unless you do a LLC or something like that, and then you're not responsible for the money." But with with a student loan, they're investing in you, and if 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 that payoff doesn't fail or if that payoff fails you get stuck on the hook for the money
0: when you get stuck on the hook and then and, and you can't even then take out a loan to start a no, business no you're screwed that's one of you're literally screwed, screwed. so
1: so they give you money they say so you want to get a degree in acting and you want to spend $90,000 at NYU we think that's a good bet they should be saying hey 18 year old you have no fucking clue what you're talking about you know the average actor makes $14,000 a year only 8% of actors can actually support themselves from acting that is a very very bad investment so the so the the bank oh, giving you a loan to go to school to be an actor is choosing to give you a bad loan uh, you know t- t- it's a bad investment because they know the government will bail them out if you default on that loan but you still have to pay the loan, even though the government pays them back. You still have to pay it's pay the crazy. loan back. It's fucking it's ridiculous. Crazy.
0: It's a complete okay. So, so the system is broken. Yeah. Now, why? Getting back to cryptocurrency, why? Oh yeah, yeah. cryptocurrency. It, Wh- why, that's what is, why is about? why is <laughs> what Yeah, why is why is cryptocurrency a beacon of hope here? Um, and is it really i mean is this is this something that we are because i when i first discovered bitcoin i fell in love with it because it did seem like it didn't seem like an answer to the problem it seemed like a way to disrupt the system which would force people to come up with a different solution and because I saw that the I thought that the way that we were solving problems was never actually going to solve anything. I I fully believed that, um, at least not as a group. I mean, maybe as an in, maybe as individuals we could figure out how to work within the system, um, but I didn't see how it was going to work, and not just in the U.S. but all over the world. Well, so when when, go ahead. Yeah. Uh. So so when. When the idea of a money that was not controlled by the government not controlled by it was money that was controlled by the people by, by a consensus of the people who used it and consensus I just consent
1: consen- so explain consensus really fast
0: so c- consensus like though the, um, the way that that the way that Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency that uses a consensus model, the only way it can change is if the people who are actively creating it or using it, the miners, if they choose to change it. And the only way they can do that is if they is if they know that the people that they are selling it to, or that, that they are redeeming it for, for, for Fiat to pay their bills, uh, are going to value it the same. So it's this, it's this kind of force feedback system that, that kind of organically works. Um, at at least that's the idea behind it. So when I, when I first heard that, it's almost like
1: democracy and not knowing who your representative is and your representative not knowing who their constituents are and kind of having to listen to everybody and cause you you just, you never know if if you're going to get voted out in a sense, because like if you're not listening to the vast majority of people who are using Bitcoin, you can, you can get screwed. They can all just jump ship or and switch over to Ethereum or Nano or, you know, whatever.
0: I- imagine if everything that you said and did kind of counted as a vote or something. Like it, if your actual actions could be considered a voting, a, a vote for for something. Like if if you didn't actually have to vote for a personality or person or a thing, if it was just what you did... If you just changed what you did and everybody else did too, then you would have reached consensus without even saying a word. I mean, it, it literally and is the free the
1: market, of- the free market deciding because cause people will, will just leave and go to a different thing. And so all the people who are mining Bitcoin, if everyone sells their Bitcoin, these people are spending thousands of dollars a month mining something that nobody's using. And all of a sudden the value goes to zero. So they have to constantly be keeping in mind the people who use Bitcoin, what they're thinking,
0: what they want. When we use the word consensus, I think what what the average person or what, what, what I think when somebody says, Hey, let's reach consensus like this. Hey, we're at Disneyland. Let's get a consensus on what ride we're yeah. going on next. It's a bunch of people getting together and somebody saying, I think we should go on space mountain. And somebody says, I think we should go on the Matterhorn," And it's kind of like whoever has the loudest voice, that's kind of who you listen to or whoever's going to cry. If they didn't don't get to go on the Indiana Jones ride. All right, let's make them happy. But that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of identity and there's a lot of personality. There's a lot of politics in that. And politics is kind of what comes in to, to create at least in our country politics is what kind of forces consensus that isn't true consensus yeah. because it's not it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of set up to create a false consensus in a way. Well,
1: cuz it's not what you wanted so, to do but someone convinced you to do it anyway. And go with them right. and, and be part yeah. of the majority. And that's that's fine. Like that's yeah. what kind of life is about. Like it's not it's not always about you. And that's what I like about it. It's just like it, it forces people to you know, change and bend and, and think about what other people want to do and, and meet people halfway. And it's like, it forces people to be, have humility and which doesn't always happen in our country all the time.
0: <laughs> so there's a beauty. There's a beauty into having consensus control, uh, our monetary system, if, if it could ever happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to think that the constitution of the U.S. was, you know, a consensus. Oh, yeah, a bunch of people got together and they decided together. But I don't, it's just so far removed from what, like, the decentralized that, yeah, I just feel like Bitcoin, the consensus behind Bitcoin is much more true to to organic consensus. Yeah.
1: So this all, so, this comes to, to a head when we find out over the last couple months or people have been, been, speculating and been almost kind of afraid that Bitmain, which makes Bitcoin miners and, and miners for other cryptocurrencies, through a few different companies they own and a few different mining groups they they kind of run, people believe that they own 51% of the hash rate for Bitcoin. Meaning that if they decided to slow down the mining or wanted to do a double spend or an attack or this or there anything kind of shady they would have the power to do it because they control 51%. They own they, they, they in control other words, the majority. They are the majority.
0: Yeah, in a, in other words, this puts the consensus in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, it 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 now has a controlling influence and is no longer a free market it's no longer organic consensus so this is
1: just like the big banks deciding they want to do something and us having no say in it so bitmain yeah. is essentially in this scenario the big banks and and we are powerless yeah. to stop them so it, it
0: and just to make this good yeah just to make this totally clear um in case you're you're listening and you don't know much about cryptocurrency and bitcoin uh miners are miners are the people who own the computers that do the they they do they they do the computation that makes the the confirmation well, how, how okay do so do when i send jj money
1: it. <laughs> it needs to be confirmed and an, and it needs to be confirmed, yes, by confirmed by an algorithm and then placed into the blockchain so it's there forever but a, a computer actually has to run that algorithm so What people did is that's called mining and then so they said well people aren't going to want to use their computer and run it all day long to confirm all these transactions so we'll pay them in Bitcoin so every every block that gets mined 7 Bitcoin or 14 Bitcoin get released to all the people who are running their computers to confirm all these transactions
0: and that is built into the software so that is just automatically what happens it's part of the system so people have an incentive people have an incentive to mine so if i have a miner if i have a computer that's doing these confirmations then i am part of the the census network now as soon as as soon as somebody as soon as an organization or a group of computers or a group of people take over 51 percent of that mining community then all of a sudden, it is not no longer consensus, no longer decentralized. Now it, there is a controlling. So influence. so
1: here's so here's here's why. So I can say so. Let's say I send JJ. I have a Bitcoin and I send one to JJ, and then I make a copy of it and I send it to my mom. It's the same Bitcoin, and that's called a double spend. And tell me if I'm I'm trying to be as basic as possible, so tell me if I, if I vary. now you're doing so good. You're the, doing much better than I what The consensus, so what the people who are mining these coins and confirming these transactions, they say, wait a minute, everybody hold up. There was a double spend on this one Bitcoin right here. We need to figure out which one is real, which one's not. And so they do a consensus and say, and they pick one, and they say, this one is real, this one is not. So they canceled the one that isn't real, that transaction, and they confirm and they write into the into the blockchain the one that was that they 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 decided was real. This way I can't spend something twice. And that's what the consensus is for. That's what these algorithms actually do. They make sure that people don't can't cheat the system. So if you have one company that has the controlling interest in the mining, Ooh, they get to decide all of a sudden which ones are real and which ones are not, and that's when things start to get shady because it's just one person doing it, or it's a, it's a it's 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 a cartel of people, and cartels never usually yeah. end end well for people.
0: Yeah, and I think we're getting to that we're getting to a point in history where these words like cartel now have a new meaning. You know, it's not just some concept of a of an organized group that's going to take over. Now it's actually a real thing, and it happens on your computers, and it's like. Yeah, this is, this is, this is how abotage in the twenty first century is going to happen. Yeah.
1: So oh. Bitmain came out today, today, yesterday, and
0: Bitmain is the company that Bit, company that makes and sells the yeah, miners. Yeah, and they're the ones who the mining they're the so, ones mining who hardware are
1: freaked out that have fifty one con- you know fifty one percent control through a different through a different uh, a few different companies they own, and they came out today to say, oh no 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 no. We we actually only have uh, what's what's their
0: well they must be self regulating yeah their company. yeah so I mean, that must so be it
1: <laughs> they come out and they say oh no no no, no. we only we only technically have um, shit where is it sorry sorry uh, we only have four percent of the actual hash rate and you're like four percent.
0: How Nobody. That so
1: no. So they're they're now trying to dispel the rumors because they're because they're getting nervous because tipping points happen where everybody will use Bitmain and they're miners they're miners people keep buying, buying and buying then all of a sudden crowd cr- crowd sentiment will shift and and people just wait you know like fuck Bitmain and everyone will just go to a different miner and then Bitmain will go out of business so they're they're worried about this because this is what the free market is
0: that's gonna happen yeah that's going to happen no matter what. Bitmain can only hope that it happens slow enough for them to keep up with it. Because if it happens, if it happens over the course of a day or a week, then Bitmain's screwed. Um, There's volatility all over the place when it comes to cryptocurrency. It's not just in the markets and on the charts. It's like, I mean, people really don't know where the industry is going to be in the future.
1: So but here's the danger. Here's the fear is that Bitmain is running their own miners and mining their own coins. So if everybody says, "Well, screw Bitmain, we're not going to buy their their miners anymore." Well, Bit, Bitmain is the one mining all the coins. Bitmain's the one mining 51% of the coins. It doesn't matter if 49% of the people go out and buy a different machine from a different company. Bit, Bitmain still has control of Bitcoin at that point. And this is why it's scary. And this is why I think like this is could potentially be one of those first and not first because I, I'm relatively new to crypto, and I'm sure it's happened before. But it's starting, you know, now that e- Bitcoin ETFs are kind of coming into the in, into the in people's minds, and, and it's starting to become more mainstream. We're talking about like, them. this is one of those really scary things that this could be one of those pivotal moments for Bitcoin of whether it survives or not. Because people may just be like, "Fuck Bitcoin! We're all going to move over to ETH, or we're going to move over to Litecoin, or we're going to move over to whatever," yeah. because Miners are expensive. I, mean, I can't just turn on my computer and compete with Bitmain because, you know, their miners are like four thousand dollars, and they they do a thousand times <clears throat> more work than my laptop t- top can do. So I can't compete with them. So every single person in the world would have to turn on their computer and start mining for Bitcoin to even come close to competing with the amount of servers that Bitmain has and miners that they have, and that's scary.
0: It's. It's really that's this is really like a an argument for, <clears throat> ar- argument against Bitcoin yeah. maximalism. Here's the bear in both because, of us. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, so Bitcoin maximalism is is there's there there is Bitcoin and then there's all the other cryptocurrencies yeah. and those are what we call altcoins, yeah. and altcoins as in alternative coins. Now. There are there are a lot of people who don't believe in the altcoins. They just think they're all scams to rip you off. They don't serve any purpose. They're all secondary. Bitcoin is the only one because it's been proven. It's existed the longest. It's never been hacked. It's never been it's uh, it's, it's it's just, been, just call it as a rock. And it's the only one that we can trust. None of the other ones are even can even be considered decentralized yet because there's always some sort of party controlling them. It, whether it's like the, you know, the the lead developers or the de- development team or whatever. So there is a there's a there's a school of thought that is Bitcoin, you know, you you Bitcoin, yes, I am a Bitcoin maximalist. That's the only cryptocurrency that is legitimate. All the others don't don't they're they're yeah. just scams. But but if Bitcoin can only exist because cuz these Four thousand dollar computers that don't do anything but mine. They have one way. function, and they, they only one run all, yeah. one
1: program, and that is to do this algorithm over and over and over again. That's all they do. They, they
0: they they run at like four thousand degrees or something like that too. So you can't even like have one in a room with that's <laughs> it's like, like having a second sun make, in your apartment. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean you've got to have like an uh, like a refrigerated room if you got more than like ten of them. And, um, and, and they take up a lot of electricity and that's a, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big problem for, for cryptocurrency is the amount of natural resources that it sucks up. And it's definitely, that's a, that's, um, yeah, it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. At least that's the way they think about it. So... You would think that, okay, well, Bitcoin is is the oldest of of the uh, cryptocurrencies, there's going to be one that comes along that solves a lot of these problems, one that it can be mined on a laptop, <coughs> <or> one that, <coughs> can Nano. Be, that uses <coughs> just... Nano. One, one, one that can just be, uh, you know, one one that can be, um, one that doesn't take up a lot of electricity to mine, or, or one that, yeah, one that doesn't... Doesn't depend on a company to make a certain type of hardware that you need that could potentially come in and be a cartel So yeah, this I mean there's a. the cri- cryptocurrency is so young yeah. right now I think that, that we are gonna see some crazy things happen in the future and it's probably gonna be from places We least expect
1: yeah So let's I think this is a good place to stop because then we gave we gave a lot of people a lot of information I mean we gave a few people. Yeah, I a think lot that's good today but I'd love to maybe next week get into the idea of how people are trying to combat that by coming out with new miners or changing the, changing the blockchain consistently to fight those ASIC. Uh, they, they call it ASIC resistant. So people will try to make this five thousand dollar computer, so they can hatch, so they can uh, mine more. So the cryptocurrency will change their algorithm uh, you know change their blockchain so they ate so that computer doesn't work on that for them anymore and uh, there's a lot of things going in, in uh that people are trying to do to combat bitmain and their control and so that might be something we can go into next week uh, but
0: I- yeah the uh, you know the al- al- alternative to to miners is really interesting uh, we're we're seeing a lot more desktop mining solutions like honey miner and- Yeah things like that that actually do do use the the remaining resources on your desktop computer to mine and yeah they generate revenue so pe- when people hear that they can generate revenue without doing anything except sitting on their computer they're going to yeah. like that
1: yeah yeah um one quick thing last week I talked about stop losses stop losses are for people who are day traders oh. so if you're not a day trader and you don't know what stop losses are don't don't get into it Maybe talk to an expert yeah you get some serious advice because stop losses are dangerous and you can lose a lot of money using them. So we wanted to make sure like that wasn't advice on my part in any way to use stop losses.
0: Yeah, we should probably uh, clear this up um, before we do any more episodes. And that is like uh, if you are invested in crypto and, and you are not an experienced trader, that means you're not experienced emotionally or technically, then don't do it. Don't do it at all if i mean don't don't worry about anything i mean don't even look at any charts or anything like that just just don't do it because treat it like a 401k um, just you'll put lose. 20 bucks
1: in once a yeah. month and just don't think about it if you want to do that
0: uh, uh, when we were talking before about how the, how the stock market is gambling if you are not an experienced trader then 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 moving your money from one cryptocurrency to another at any point is pretty much gambling you're betting one is going to go higher than the yeah. other and that's what it is. And then if you, if you want to bet, then that's fine. But understand that you're making a bet and that's gambling. Now, when it comes to if you are an experienced trader, then you'll know that a stop loss is something that that's something you understand because that's risk to reward. You're, you're taking you're taking the the odds in that sense. I'm not going to talk yeah. about that. But so we just wanted to yeah. we just wanted to remind so you, people that it,
1: that that's something that more experienced traders use or stop losses in not just in cryptocurrency, but just in in, in trading in general. And so you know I don't want to encourage people to
0: I think it's it important necessarily. It's good that you brought it up though because I think the intermediate traders, the people who you know tend to think they're better than they yeah. are, they might not be using stop losses because it, well one one reason uh, that you do one reason that you might not want to use a stop loss is because of the high frequency traders that will they trade so quickly and they will intentionally try to take out your stop losses yes. and then you know trade back up to where they were previously yeah. so you might think oh well i won't use a stop loss because but that's just not playing the game the right way that's not playing playing it the way most traders would say this is yeah. how you get to do it but but um, that's the where reality you
1: 99 percent of day traders lose money you're not you know if unless you're a pro don't you know just, just be careful. Like
0: yeah. this is it's just get get it get get a demo yeah. account and yeah, have practice.
1: fun. <laughs> Bitmex has as those demo accounts. You can practice on shorts and longs, you can practice on other things. So like just yeah. It this is this is really sketchy stuff and you can lose a lot of money. And so I, I don't want anybody to think that we're encouraging them to day trade in any way. But there also is you know, if there's gonna be a crash, you wanna make sure you don't you get out before your money goes to zero. And that's kind of so. So, read up on stop losses. And maybe we'll do an episode just on stop losses uh, and go into more detail about what JJ was talking about. Um, but not next week, or maybe next week. But next week, we might we'll have a special guest. A special guest who, if you know anything about crypto, you will know this person. Uh, he and JJ were talking on Twitter, and, yeah. and he seems kind of excited to join our podcast for an episode. So make sure you come back next week. You wanna say anything else before we sign off?
0: Nope, that's it. See <laughs> see you next week.